Welcome to the Spirited Leaders Podcast. Here we dive into all things leadership, spirituality, business, mindset, wealth, and energy to inspire and empower you to make the impact you're here for while loving your life. I am your host, Rachel White, coach, speaker, published author, and the creator of the Spirited Leaders brand, including this podcast and our magazine. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. I have a guest with me today, Katie Rose. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. So Katie is such a wealth of knowledge of ancient yogi wisdom, of Ayurveda, of so many things. And I'm going to let you give a little introduction to yourself. But I wanted to first say that the reason I wanted Katie to come talk to us was because I'm doing her Ayurveda goddess course and I've got so much out of it. So I thought if you could even just get a snippet of everything I've been learning I know that it will be so powerful and so useful in your life. So Katie, do you want to give just like the snapshot summary of who you are and where you've come from? Sure. Um, thank you for those nice words about the, the Ayurveda goddess course. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. It was a real labor of love to put it together. And it's so nice to get feedback from people now that's so positive. So thank you for that. Um, Oh, I feel like every year that rolls by, as I get a little bit older, it's harder and harder to introduce myself because there's just more and more going on in my life. <laughs> but um, the short version is I'm originally from the UK. I grew up just outside of London in the countryside in, in um, England. And I moved to Australia um, over 15 years ago now and started a yoga studio, Samadhi Yoga, which then um, became Jivamukti Yoga, Jivamukti Yoga Sydney. Um, which I ran for a number of years. Um, and then I started um, running my own teacher trainings, Ayurveda programs. Um, yeah, they're the main things that I do. Um, recently transitioning more into the online space. Fortunately, that started just before COVID. So that was kind of, um, you know, good timing for me. Um, and I'm also the mother to four boys. So my eldest is uh, 13 and my youngest is four. So I've got a pretty busy job with them as well. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a beautiful little introduction to everything that you're doing. So let's dive straight into feminine energy, Shakti Prana, and just talking about women's wellness and women's power in general and how, why you're passionate to teach in that space to start with and how you draw from ancient wisdom, applying it to the lifestyle that women are living today? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a huge question. Um, I made the decision about probably a couple of years ago now to mostly teach for women. Um, And a few of my courses, including the Ayurveda Goddess course, are exclusively for women only. And there were a few reasons for that. One of them was a very personal reason, which is that I have four sons. So I spend a lot of time in the masculine space and I felt very drawn in my work to wanting to make sure that was balanced by, um, yeah, really sort of embracing the the feminine space. Um, So that was my own personal reason. But I guess the more um, universal reason is that I've gradually seen over the years that I've been working in wellness, working in Ayurveda and yoga, that there is a 
empowerment of women on one level um you know feminism is sort of alive and kicking and women are certainly breaking through a lot of glass ceilings and all those types of things are happening um i felt very gladdened when my 13 year old asked me the other day mom what's the gender pay gap and i was like yes something's sinking in this is a good question um and at the same time that said i also see that women in general and this is a generalization but i think i've observed it a lot in my work are trusting their intuition less and less we look outside of ourselves more and more for um making decisions for feeling steady for our emotional wellness um as well as our physical and mental wellness we we tend to externalize a lot i think that social media uh reinforces that as well and um, and one of the things that I was very interested in I am very interested in is supporting women to reclaim their own innate wisdom their own inner knowing their intuition whatever you're doing with your life whether that applies in your relationships whether it applies in your work um in your approach to your own health and wellness and parenting it, it I I feel that as women we have a lot of um knowledge and wisdom within us that we don't tap into because we're not trusting our intuitive capacity so that's what i've become super interested in so what do you think is so you said that a lot of women aren't trusting their intuitive capacity what do you want to give kind of like paint a picture what does it look like when they're not trusting and what's the process to trust again sure so i think a lot of it starts with the western medicine model like if we just stick to the realm of wellness let's say as an example i think it actually seeps into other areas but let's just keep it simple and talk about health and wellness we have grown up within a paradigm that says if i'm sick i go to an expert i go to a doctor or i go to a pharmacy and i give a list of ailments and i walk away with a script and i take a load of pills and i get better that's kind of the paradigm that we work within um and if it's more serious i maybe i have to have a surgery or something like that there's very little around exploring where i can take responsibility for my health where i can intuitively perhaps even know what got me to this place um diving below the band-aid solutions into the root causes all of that type of paradigm is very much left to the uh holistic or um you know complementary health practitioners so that's one thing and i think that even if we are interested in um supportive and alternative medicine models most of us still have that paradigm very firmly embedded within us especially when it comes to serious health concerns um what i notice has happened in the last few years particularly really since social media got bigger and stronger and had more of an impact and influence in our lives is that we've replaced the doctor or the so-called expert with almost every other person that's out there on our social media feed. So it's like if I feel a little bit low in energy or I feel a little bit down or I feel a little bit overwhelmed when I hop onto Instagram or when I hop onto Facebook um everyone's got an opinion, something they want to sell, something they want to um uh you know you like offer me in my life to kind of enhance and support my life and it's all very externalized. and um you know i'm one of those people in some ways because i do offer online courses so it's part of my work too but but the interest i have is in bringing women 
back to an internal compass mm. um, rather than looking outside of ourselves. So my teacher, my yoga teacher, Sharon Gannon, one of the founders of Jeeva Mukta Yoga, she calls it the spiritual supermarket. It's this kind of like little bit of this, little bit of that um, mentality, which is constantly still engaged in that um, someone else will fix me and consumerist materialist society paradigm. Mm. Um, and I, I think that what, I think the answers to that, I think the solutions to that are complex. It's not a one, one simple thing, but yeah. the journey, the journey of empowerment is one of coming back into self and back into self-awareness and self-observation. For me, the number one methodology for that has been my meditation practice, without a doubt. Um, but for different people, according to your own individual constitution, your own individual personality, there might be other tools. Yoga, asana, the physical practice of yoga could be another one, for example, that are equally as helpful and do the same job. Um, it's really anything that enables you to go deep within and start looking in that place rather than seeking external solutions for whatever's going on for you. Mm. Yes. Love that. And I, I feel like studying your course, that was one of the biggest differences that I've noticed in like all of my like school study university and even a lot of like the coaching programs and things I'm doing now. It's very much like, um, like learn this, do this. Whereas yours was kind of like just putting things out there and, and not necessarily like it, it is kind of like a wellness program, but it wasn't like, this is how you diagnose this. And then you do this. It was more about, this is how you get more in tune with what's happening for you. These are maybe some options, but it's, yeah. And it was so much less diagnosis, diagnostic. And it was kind of like tripping my brain at the start. I was like, I, I, can you just tell me the answer? But then yeah. it really allowed me um, more exploration within myself as well, which was really cool. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that because when I was putting the course together, I had to work a lot with myself in that process. Cause I have quite a strong Shiva energy or, you know, masculine energy. I'm quite linear. My Ayurvedic constitution is Pitta, which is a fire type. So I'm very much love a list. I love structure. I love order. And it was actually a task for me to say, how can I keep the divine feminine, the Shakti in this offering and let it sow seeds rather than giving conclusions. That was my intention all the way through. Like I just want to sow seeds and I don't necessarily want to give you the answer. Um, one of my favorite sections in the whole course is a recording of a talk. Um, where, like I give a lecture, but actually my favorite part of it is at the end where the different participants who are in the room start talking about what feminism means to them, what it means to be a woman living at this time um, their experience of domestic stuff at home, like, you know, who shares the domestic load and how that all works and what that feels like and what that looks like for our generation, all that type of stuff. And um, that conversation, which happened completely organically and which I nearly edited out because it wasn't like relevant to the content um, mm -hmm. is for me, that's the gold. It's, it's, and that's why things like women's circles and women's gatherings are becoming so incredibly important. Like I do feel when women come together in communities with the sole intention of just sharing open and honest communication and being raw and being vulnerable, it, unbelievable healing can take place in just being heard and being listened to, being a good listener and 
um, and creating a space where you can also allow yourself to be vulnerable. Um, that that's uh, that's medicine. That's really the medicine of our times. And it is kind of rare in today's society that we do take that space in our day-to-day life to be vulnerable and to just actively listen to someone. Usually communication is all about how to get our point across and things like that. So yeah, women's circles are so powerful. And I think it's really cool the more women kind of in the like mainstream, like people that aren't necessarily like ultra spiritual go to them because we bring those communication skills in the day-to-day life as well which is yeah yeah I couldn't agree more Hmm. what do you think are some of the barriers for people to be more vulnerable and to communicate in those open ways is it like the patriarchy is it not embracing our feminine energy what do you what's your perspective on that I really try not to polarize in terms of gender so I definitely don't want to get into this dialogue of like man and woman or or you know even sort of masculine feminine I think it's unhelpful because I think we all have both within us Mm -hmm. um I I think that one of the biggest issues is we aren't good listeners which in turn leads to not being good sharers so one of the things and I've had to work at this this has been a practice for me and I would say it's still not completely healed Um, one of the things I've worked on a lot is becoming a better listener and really engaging and empathizing and taking time to listen to where someone's at. And time is another big one. We're all kind of, I'm, I'm also guilty of this. We're all stuck in this sort of paradigm of, um, rushing, 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 rushing and productivity. You know, there has to be an outcome. Uh, and when we can let go of that need for, outcome and that need for productivity I think there again great healing and sharing and opening can take place there's a beautiful um idea you might have heard of this it's fairly new to me um the idea of what's called limbic space and limbic space is it describes a certain type of um mentality or a certain type of mental headspace that happens when you are bored when you go into a kind of creative daydreamy Um, space in between and we used to have a lot of limbic space in our lives because we would be you know standing in line at the supermarket or um, you know waiting for uh, our appointment or whatever it might be and what's happened again I mean I sound like I'm so kind of like stuck in years gone by but again the advent of mobile phones and technology means that all of us have a lot less limbic space because we just pick up our phone and start you know emailing scrolling texting whatever the limbic space allows your brain to go into a slightly different type of responsiveness. And that is what I would say is very closely linked to the Shakti Prana, the divine feminine for men and for women. And that's where our creativity, that's where our dreaming, that's where our manifestation comes from. Uh, And I think that's essential to vulnerability. It's essential to us expressing our more, more human side, like the truth of what's really going on for us rather than, responding to an email responding to an appointment responding to something again external that just requires a productive outcome Mm. I love that so much and I'm really resonating with it for the day I've just had I had like a fully scheduled afternoon but I ended up kind of rescheduling all my client calls and I thought I'll just do a little bit of like work on my laptop just some easy stuff And then it was kind of, I got this really strong intuitive message. It was like, shut that screen and just go and sit down without 
any screen time for a few hours. And I was like, oh, but I like have some stuff to do. So I got my journal out and it was just like a clear sentence. It's like, give your brain a break. And I was yeah. like, yes, I, I needed to, that message. And we can logically know a lot of these things that, yes, it's good to give our brain space, but we can, it's also easy to get caught up in that. I have stuff to do. I need to get this done and productivity mindset. Well, the irony is, is that I notice for myself time and time again, when I give myself more space around things, I'm much, much more productive anyway. Mm. When I'm feeling completely overloaded and overwhelmed, I mean, when it's really bad, I'll start taking on lots of tasks all at once. And we call that multitasking and we think it's something to be celebrated, like it's a sort of um, achievement or a, a skill. It's actually just your brain in Ayurveda, we call it Vata imbalance. It's like your brain being completely scattered in multiple directions, which mm. in essence leads to overwhelm and lack of productivity normally. Lots of things mm. left unfinished um, and the brain starting to shut down because it can't create focus. So, yeah, I mean, I know for myself again and again, when I do stay on topic, stay on track and build space in around things, I'm, I'm heaps more productive always. Yeah, it's such a good reminder because when your mind is scattered, you feel busy, so you think you're productive, but if you reflect on the actual outcome, you'll quickly realise you weren't as productive as you thought. That's exactly it. That feeling of busy is totally different to actually what did I get done, what did I achieve, Um, and not necessarily what did I achieve in terms of, like I think we can reset the parameters of what our goals are too. So we can say what did I achieve? like what did I cross off my list of things to do? But we could also say, what did I achieve in terms of connection? Did I have any meaningful conversations today? Did I have time for myself today? Did I have um, the time and space to enjoy myself? Was there fun? Was there creativity? Was there relationship? Was there connection? Like these things are also really important measuring sticks for how successful our day has been. It's not just like, what did I manage to smash off my list of things to do? Yes, I completely agree. And I think you even talked about this in the program as well, like how we celebrate achievement. It's usually those masculine things of like, or the, I don't know, a different word to masculine, but like crossing things off the list, getting things done. And that makes us feel really successful, but we can definitely reframe that to everything you just listed. And that would be a successful, productive day as well. Yeah. I mean, for me, motherhood has been something that's really taught me this because motherhood in itself looks like an entirely unproductive mission of years of, you know, slow drip feed kind of project that you chip away at of like being present for a child as they grow and develop. And there's many, many moments that feel completely unproductive or kind of thankless. But then at the end, hopefully you nurture a positive relationship. And that Mm -hmm. is... um, you know, that's the, the outcome that every parent wants really is to have a good relationship with their, with their child. Mm. I would love to talk about devotion um, and bringing sacredness into our day-to-day life. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, that's a major practice in this ancient Indian language of Sanskrit. We call it bhakti. Um, it's a major practice of my yogic path um 
it has to do with creating ritual in everyday life. So it has to do with looking for moments of like my teacher calls it sacred pause. My, my Ayurveda teacher, um, Maya Tawari. So looking for moments in our everyday life that we can take time to invite intentionality in um, without having to kind of recreate our whole life. So we don't have to go like live in an ashram or, um, you know, move somewhere off grid or something like that. Like my life is pretty full and busy and um, I live in the city. I live in an urban environment. Um, but it's, it's about finding times and moments within each day that those types of, uh, yeah, that you can stay connected to those types of intentions. And there's lots of different ways to do that. So it could be chanting a mantra. Like for me, that's a really helpful way of coming back into sacred connection. But it could also be if you had like, for example, an affirmation that you recite or um, even for very visual people, it might be an image that you hold in mind. Um, each of us has a sort of drawn to different senses. So I'm a very wordy person. Words tend to work for me, but it could be it could be listening to a piece of music, could be visualizing a particular image, something that anchors you back into a mm -hmm. sense of intentionality and sacredness that you can easily access throughout your day particularly at times when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed so like for me again it's always mantra um that's a huge part of my practice but it doesn't have to be that it's really about just um again taking that time to come back to the sacred pause yeah and this links in so much with what we we're just talking about productivity because if you gave yourself the opportunity to pause invite intention back in you ask yourself like why am I actually doing this and you might yeah. find that there's no reason no purpose to do it or there might be a really beautiful intention that you've lost sight of because you got caught up in the busyness so that's exactly right and especially especially if the intention doesn't have a tangible outcome like mm -hmm. if the intention is for example I want to spend quality time with my family or I want to go for a coffee with my girlfriend and be really present for that experience. Those types of intentions are much harder to measure in terms of the outcome. Mm. And that's where the sacred pause is so valuable. The, 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 yeah, the clarity around what is it I'm doing here? What's my purpose? And, you know, going back to that idea of limbic time, if you build time into, like I've tried to start this ritual now on Sunday mornings where I spend a little bit because most other mornings I have to get up and be busy and do things with kids and stuff. But on Sundays, I usually don't have my children there with their dad. And so I have this window of time and I used to really be compelled. Like, oh, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do a yoga practice. I'm going to do this, going to do that writing time. Da, da, da. I've really built it into my week now as a ritual for space. Um, and it's amazing. Like, it's such an abundantly creative time for me. And often I will spend time doing things like just, I mean, it sounds so silly, but like rearranging things on my altar, or I might play around with some affirmation cards or like you were saying before, do some journaling. It's, it's nothing special. It's nothing out of the ordinary, but it's such precious time. Mm. Yeah. I've started to not set an alarm in the morning. Like I don't have kids or anything, so I probably have a bit more luxury around my morning time, but it's made such a massive impact to just wake up when I want to and give myself the first couple of hours of my day to just do whatever, whatever I want. I don't let anyone book in appointments with me before like 11 a.m. And yeah, just it frees up so much creativity and time and I probably end up getting 
the same, if not more amount of things done when I do start working. Yeah. One thing I read recently that really resonated with me, and I think it's in line with what you're talking about is this idea of creating before you consume. You've probably heard of that, but it was quite new for me. Just the idea that we often go straight into consumption of absorbing, you know, whether you're reading or whatever it might be. The idea that especially in the mornings, very precious time when we come out of sleep and then that there's a lot of potential there to create before we start engaging with the world around us and consuming. Mm. Um, If you can resist the urge to, you know, get on the internet, for example, um, it's, yeah, it creates a whole different shift in the way that the beginning of the day can be. Definitely. Yeah. Like my old habit used to be grab my phone, check every social media app, And sometimes there'd be nothing. And then sometimes there'd be things that stress me out. So yeah, we can set the tone for our day when we wake up. Amazing. So I would love to, um, starting to wrap up, but is there any other like ancient wisdoms or anything that you think are really relevant for people to embrace or integrate in their life today? Oh, so many things. That's such a hard question because it's so broad. But I was uh, thinking there are so many. I'll talk about something that's just something I've been thinking about a lot myself recently because I could talk about a thousand different things. But something that's been very much in my consciousness recently is one of the great gifts that Ayurveda has given me and the understanding of yogic philosophy and Eastern philosophy in general is I'm noticing it enables me to become a much less judgmental person because I'm understanding more and more that everybody has their own unique constitutional type, their Mm. own unique karma, their own unique um, life purpose and path. And when you start to see that each person is just doing the very best they can within their own particular Um, set of conditions the set of conditions that they happen to be on the planet in at this time it really helps with letting go of the judgment you know it enables me to see someone as on their path living their life according to their dharma according to their skills according to their weaknesses as well Um, and I think a certain kind of spiritual maturity has evolved in me as a result of really understanding that and then also self-compassion because in myself I can see okay I'm really good at this particular thing I'm I find this easeful and I'm really not good at this other thing I find it stressful and that's okay because I'm human and I'm having a human experience and I don't need to get all judgy about that and think oh I should be better at this or um or arrogant and think oh I'm so great at this it just is my particular experience in this lifetime and then extending that out to others and saying we're all in that unique set of individual conditions. Um, And, you know, that actually, in many ways, that brings our conversation back full circle because what that reminds us is to come back to our intuition and our sense of self-knowing because we can say, what's right for me now in this moment might not be right for the person standing next to me and it might not even have been right for me a few years ago and it might not be right for me in a few years' time. But right now, this is the right decision for me in this moment according to the um, information I have right now and trusting that rather than constantly second-guessing ourselves. Mm. And there's so much power in just owning what we choose for ourselves and trusting that it is right for right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's 
that's the power of the goddess. That's why I called my training Ayurveda goddess, because it's like, how do we step into that knowing of ourselves literally as divine beings? And I think it's exactly, you just nailed it. It's exactly what you just said. It's like stepping into that power for right now, which may not look the same some point in the future and probably didn't look the same some point in the past. And that's okay. That's part of the evolution. I love that so much. I think that is a, such a beautiful place to end unless you have any final words that you would like to share. No, I enjoyed talking to you so much and thank you for, um, thank you for the depth of your questions. It's really nice to be able to go a little bit deeper and explore some of the um, teachings that, you know, have been so powerful in my life and I hope can um, really make a difference. And I know are really making a difference in the lives of other women. Yeah. Amazing. So where is the best place if anyone wants to find you online, connect with you, where's the best place they can do that? My website is Bhakti Rose. Bhakti means loving devotion and Rose um, is the rose. So um, it's B-H-A-K-T-I-R-O-S-E.com.au. We can, I'm sure, put that in the podcast notes. Mm -hmm. And I'm also really happy to offer a discount to the people who are listening on the training that we've been talking about. So we'll make sure we put a discount code in there too. Yes. And I highly, highly recommend the training as well for everyone listening. Thank you, Rachel. Um, So yeah, all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Katie. I've loved this conversation so much. I love all your teachings so much. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot and tag me in your Instagram story at by Rachel White. Reach out to me anytime with your insights and questions. Have a beautiful day.